That's Alec Manoa's song. That's his music. He's back on the mound tonight. Blue Jays, 6.30 p.m. First pitch in Detroit. Highly, highly, highly anticipated game. Maybe the biggest game of the Blue Jays season tonight. I hope Alec Manoa does not feel the pressure, feels the power as he takes the mound tonight. Let's talk to our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Buck Martinez, former MLB catcher, manager, and current Sportsnet analyst. Thanks for coming on with us this morning, Buck. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. And um, Blue Jays coming off a big doubleheader win. That was uh, a very nice way to set yourself up for a big game tonight. Um, Of course, the storyline coming into it is Alec Manoa. Um, We've been saying, you know, lightly that it could be the biggest game of the Blue Jays season. Is that how you're viewing it? Well, it's certainly a a test. And I, I think it's kind of a taking inventory of where Manoa is. You know, he hasn't pitched since June 5th, and, um, you know, he pitched last Sunday in double-A. And his line is, is okay. I watched the game. I watched him pitch. Uh, those double-A hitters swung at a lot of pitches that would have been balls in the big leagues. But, you know, I, I think he had more conviction to his pitches. Uh, he had a little bit better velocity, and uh, it'll be interesting. But I, I think the Blue Jays needed to make this move. Uh, he was gone for a month. Now they bring him back, and they have to uh, figure out what they have in Alec Manoa before the trade deadline comes up later on uh, the end of this month. Yep, it's a big night, maybe the biggest game of the Blue Jays' season. It feels like a lot of things you know, hinge on this, right? And you outlined it there. Uh, it could determine what the direction is over the next couple of weeks in terms of the trade deadline. So is that, like, there are other reasons why we're seeing it, but chief among them, first and foremost, the most important thing is, okay, we got to define this roster because we still intend to be a playoff team and we still intend to be a team that is gunning for the World Series. Oh, no question about it. Uh, you know, when you look around, um, Tampa Bay has cooled off significantly. Uh, you know, the Yankees, are, they're a mess right now. Uh, the Angels just lost Trout. Otani's got a blister. You know, and Bougie's going to face the Angels right after the uh, break. And it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Everybody's coming back to the pack a little bit. This division is all uh, bunched up. Uh, Baltimore's not going away anytime soon. They keep bringing up younger and younger prospects, and they keep performing very well. And I look for them to make a big trade because of their depth in the minor leagues. But, yeah, the Blue Jays intend to be a postseason team, and I think they still have aspirations of winning the division. Uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, that seemed like a far-fetched idea. I don't think it's the case anymore. Do you worry about the worst-case scenario, Buck? Like, do you worry about Manoa blowing up today, things not going well? Uh, you maybe give yourself some clarity in terms of, hey, we got to go out and get a starter. But do you worry about the long-term success and prospects of a guy who meant so much and still means so much to this organization? He was the opening-day starter. He was on the bump in the first home game of the season, breaking in a semi-new ballpark. Like, if this goes poorly... Do you worry about it being worse than it could have been if he just was sent to the minors and didn't make his way back? No, I, I don't. I don't think this is a, a turning point in his career. He's, he's much too talented, and this has a lot of success, albeit a, a very limited amount of time in the big leagues. But I mean, we've got a perfect example in Jose Barrios, who went through a rough time last year, and now he's bounced back and he's pitched very well. So I think Alec is fine. I just don't think, and I think this is an industry-wide problem. I don't think starting pitchers pitch enough in spring training to get ready for the season. I, I just think as, a, as an industry, we do a poor job of getting starting pitchers ready. And, you know, everybody says, well, spring training is long for the starting pitchers. Well, nobody pitches. 
You know, Kikuchi pitched 20 innings in the spring, and he got off to a great start, went 5-0, and because he pitched a lot. And I would like to see all of these pitchers, and not only Blue Jay pitchers, but pitchers in baseball, pitch more in spring training and get ready for the first month of the season because it seems like April is always spring training for the starting pitchers. But I, I think Alex is going to be fine. Um, you know, he's, he's a hard worker. I, I think he understands now that this is something that will humble you in a heartbeat, and you've got to be prepared uh, to uh, face the best players in the world every single time you go to the mound. So a lot of anticipation for tonight, uh, probably a little bit of uh, nervous energy, I, I think, not only from Alec, but maybe those on the team and those in attendance. So how can a manager, the clubhouse, the catcher, even those fans coming over the border from Windsor help Manoa tonight in this start that, you know, we really do hope goes the positive way that you're at least anticipating? You know, I don't think the players are going to react any different. I think they'd be happy to see Alec back, and they're hoping that he has a good outing. But as far as... Uh, you know, everybody propping him up. I, I think they're low balanced in our business as normal. Uh, this happens all the time, guys. Uh, you know, it, it's not a straight line path to the Hall of Fame, that's for sure. Everybody has ups and downs, and uh, he's gone through a tough time. And, and you know, the young man hadn't struggled at, at any level ever. So now this is the first time he's had a setback. And I've talked to a lot of guys that work with him down in the minors, and they're all pretty confident that. He's uh, working hard at it. He understands what he has to do, and he understands that uh, there's some growing to do. Speaking of uh, Hall of Fame and these things happening all the time, you were the Blue Jays manager in 2001 when Roy Halladay was demoted to the minors and then eventually returned to the big league and then, of course, went on to have a Hall of Fame career. I know it's not the same parallel right now, or it is similar in a sense. Do you get um, any reflections or any similarities when you, when you see what's going on with Alec Manoa and you think about Roy Halladay and his pathway? Yeah, it's quite a bit different on many different uh, facets because Roy was just starting out in his career and Mark Conner was the pitching coach, Gordon Ash was the general manager, and we all watched him in spring training and just get ruffled with a 97-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball and a knuckle curveball, and we just felt like he was too good to just give up on and just shuffle off to the minor league. So. We decided to try to rebuild him, and uh, Mel Queen is the one that really did all the hard work. He was the uh, guy down in the minor leagues that suggested Roy throw sidearm, and the delivery that he ended up with and helped propel him to the Hall of Fame was what Roy characterized as throwing sidearm. It was a high three-quarter delivery, eliminated the knuckle curveball, got a two-seam fastball and a cutter and a splitter changeup, and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But I don't think they're, they're quite the same. Uh, yeah, everybody wants to compare them because they were major league pitchers that got sent back to the minors. But uh, I think Alec is, uh, is as talented, and he's probably going to have a good career, and hopefully uh, this will be a start uh, to his comeback, if you will. Uh, Buck Martinez on the line with us. Uh, with Manoa, do we know what they discovered in Florida? Do we know what tweak might have been uh, worked on, something that that might have been uh, harnessed or honed in on. Do we do we know what happened down there for for the month that Manoa was in Florida and then in New Hampshire? Uh, do we know what went into this uh, short rehabilitation process? What they were trying to do is is figure out why he had lost his command. You know, he had uh, forty eight walks or forty two walks and forty eight strikeouts and fifty eight innings in the big leagues, and his command was not good. So I think he was a little bit more deliberate down the mound. He wasn't explosive down the mound. He didn't have that full extension. And I saw it with my own eyes. He didn't have 
commitment to each pitch. And I think that was the biggest thing. Uh, physically, it doesn't look like there's anything out of whack. It's just like he needs to be more committed to each individual pitch and just separate one pitch from the next and, and basically just take it one pitch at a time. I know it's very cliche, but at the same time, if you're focused and committed to a pitch, I think you're going to have better results than uh, just kind of flipping it up there and hoping it's in there for a good pitch. So as we mentioned, uh, Ross Atkins is going to get some important information tonight with Alec Manoa returning to the major leagues. Uh, it may instruct him or inform him on what he needs uh, before the trade deadline. Uh, but let's say Manoa does pitch adequately and Manoa is locked in as one of your five, maybe six uh, starters if you go in the six-man rotation route in the future here or in the short-term future. What do you view as the greatest need for the Blue Jays if Alec Manoa slots into that rotation again? Is there something that the Blue Jays Blue Jays, excuse me, should should be trying to shore up here uh, in the couple weeks here before the trade deadline. Well, and the Blue Jays are in a unique position because they have Yunjin Ryu and Chad Green on the horizon, and they're not too far away. I expect we'll see them both before the first of August. So that gives you more depth in the pitching. I think the biggest thing is that the Blue Jays just need to hit like they have the last couple of games, and this is the lineup we expected and how they would hit with Bo getting four hits and Merrifield hitting a couple of home runs and Gladdy driving in runs. Uh, George Springer's uh, had a fine season, and I think now if you see the depth of the lineup, this is what we thought the Blue Jays would be all season long, and hopefully now they're hitting their stride where the offense, I think that's the biggest thing is the offense. Um, you know, I believe they could use another uh, bat off the bench, another uh, left-handed hitter off the bench, somebody with a little more depth and, uh, you know, keep your fingers crossed. Uh, they're very thin behind the plate. Danny Jansen, if he goes down again with another injury, uh, you know, they've got issues and that's going to be a concern. But other than that, I think they're fine. I don't think uh, with Ryu coming back and, and Chad Green going to add up to the bullpen and if Manoa, can be uh, the Manoa, you know, he doesn't have to be Cy Young yet, but if he comes back and is able to give you five or six innings in a start, that'll take the pressure off that bullpen. We're chatting with Buck Martinez, our current Sportsnet analyst. So you have seen now almost basically a whole 162 games of John Schneider as the Blue Jays manager. Uh, what have you learned most about uh, the guy behind the scenes here? I think he has uh, the respect of his players. I think he has uh, the fundamental execution of the players. You know, the Blue Jays players, uh, they haven't done a very good job of running the bases. They've uh, made a lot of outs on the bases, uh, just silly outs. And we saw it with Vladdy running around second in the doubleheader. And, and it's just like you've got to be a little cleaner with the fundamentals. And that's going to be the difference of, of going deep into the postseason and not. The teams that eliminate the mistakes and give the other team those uh, extra outs, I think that's the team that's going to go far. But I think John Snyder is the right man for this team. I think a lot of these kids played for him in the minor leagues. They respect who he is. Uh, I think he can be tough when he has to be tough, and I think he can uh, put an arm around you when he needs that. So I think John's uh, the right manager for this particular group at this time, and I think uh, they're going to be fine, and they'll end up in the postseason. Just how far they go is going to be all about how west of the pitching staff is. It does seem uncharacteristic for this team like to make so many uh, errors on the base path. I, I wonder if that's just attention to detail, too much excitement, uh, still learning the ropes. I mean, Vladdy's not that young. He, he does have uh, enough games under his belt to not be making some of these mental mistakes. Is it just a weird blip that the Blue Jays seem to be doing that almost pretty consistently? 
I think they're trying too hard. I mm-hmm. think everybody has to relax a little bit. I think everybody wants to be the guy that's going to turn things around, and, and you can't do that. Baseball's a very unique game. You know, Mike Trout's been the greatest player in the game for a long time, and the Angels haven't won a thing. So one player cannot win a championship for you. You have to understand that you have a role on the team. Just be the best version of yourself you can be, and don't try to force things. You know, uh, Vladdy, uh, he's he's a pretty good base runner, but he's certainly not Kevin Kiermaier or Whit Merrifield with speed. So, you know, there there are times when you just have to use good judgment and make sure once you're in scoring position that you stay in scoring position and you don't run into meaningless outs. Uh, it was another stellar outing yesterday for Jose Barrios. I mean, the pitching at large yesterday, uh, with the exception of maybe uh, Yusei Kikuchi, was really, really good. But Barrios stands out for sure, and it's been an immensely important bounce back uh, for Jose Barrios this year after what was a really difficult 2022. When you look at what he's done this year and how he's turned things around, uh, what has been the key? I think you mentioned something earlier about, you know, guys having to pitch more. Uh, and he went to the World Baseball Classic and it wasn't necessarily a stellar outing there or stellar outings there, uh, which added to maybe the consternation coming into the season for Blue Jays fans. But Barrios has found something. So when you look at his performance, when you look at what's different, uh, what were the keys to that? His, he's now controlling his misses. When he misses his spot, it's not over the heart of the plate. It's off the plate, and it's uh, you know doesn't have any impact. But last year when he missed, he missed over the middle of the plate and gave up 29 home runs. And uh, I asked him specifically in his own words what was different for him, and he said the quality of my pitches is much better than it was last year. And I think that's as simple as it is. He hasn't changed much. Uh, last year, he tried to change everything. He moved on the mound. He changed his hands. He changed his set position. He changed his arm stroke. All kinds of things he changed. This year, he got back to who he was as a Minnesota twin. And now, you know, now he's with the Blue Jays. Had a good first half season of the Blue Jays. And I think he, this is who he is. And uh, he's very capable. Certainly uh, pitches very well against those AL central teams because he spent so much time there with Minnesota, but I think he's going to be fine down the stretch. He's confidence pitching with a lot of confidence and, and economical. He's throwing a lot of pitches in the strike zone and quality pitches. And I think that's the biggest difference. If the driving force in game in game one victory yesterday was Jose Barrios, the driving force in game two was Whit Merrifield to hit Whit was two home run Whit. Uh, where does Merrifield for you rank in terms of the surprises of this season? I mean, we, we understood who this ball player was when he came over last year. There was reason to be excited about it, reason to be excited about him sort of leading that platoon and playing a lot of positions. Uh, but it's been maybe a, a season that's beyond expectation for Whit Merrifield this year, at least for many. So where does he rank in terms of pleasant surprises, things that have keyed uh, the results that have been positive for the Blue Jays this year? Um, you know, I, I think you asked me earlier about that John Snyder and his impact as a manager, and I think Witt's a great example of that. Witt came over midseason last year and never really got into full stride and never really got swinging the bat the way he's capable of. This year, Snyder said right away, he said, we got a competition at second. Whoever plays best will play a lot. And certainly, and not only has Witt played second, but he's played in left field quite a bit. But this is the type of player we saw in Kansas City. You know, he led the league in hits two years in a row. And uh, he's the guy that uh, can swing the bat. And he's been consistent all year long. And because of that, he's played. And that's what John Snyder told him in the spring. He said, if you hit, you're going to play. And, and he's played a lot and made the all-star team. So I think he's pretty proud of his season. And, and I guess it would be a mild surprise. But I think more than anything, this is the player that he was in Kansas City. And now he's had 
uh, almost a full year with the Blue Jays, and he's very, very comfortable here. We're speaking with Buck Martinez. Uh, what do you think of the home? Are you a home run derby guy? Like, do you watch? Do you watch it? Do you like seeing it? And, and what do you think of Vladdy's chances to take down the big gold chain that is now being handed <laughs> out? That I saw had like sixteen hundred diamonds in it or something. It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, it is a big deal. And you know, early on, I I, I was the uh, the host on the field for the All Star Game for ESPN, so I got to see a lot of those cool. uh, home run derbies in person, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, Chipper Jones described it to me. I asked him after he came off the field and had a, a bad round of hitting home runs. And I said, Chipper, what's it like hitting in the home run derby? And he said, it's like batting in front of 50,000 people naked. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so he's very intimidated by that atmosphere. And it can be uh, overwhelming. And I think we've seen some uh, very good hitters not perform well. But I think Vladdy's going to do well. I really think this is a good opportunity for him to uh, – ratchet up things a little bit he likes the big spotlight he likes the stage and i think he's made for the home run derby so i expect him to do well i think he's the second favorite uh to do that even though he's uh six seed so he's obviously got a little bit of running behind him um we talked about this a bit to start our show justin and i were debating we don't get to see many doubleheader games for the blue jays because we have a dome which is nice um but between the games do the guys usually shower? Does it depend on, you know, how you're playing, if there's good, if you're a superstitious guy or not? Like, we, we just couldn't get to the bottom of it. we got to ask you. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's traditional. You know what? And that used to be a, a big part of the season. I believe when I first came up to the Royals, I think we played in nine regular scheduled doubleheaders. Mm-hmm. So it was a regular occurrence on Sunday. You play doubleheader. Monday was off. It was a great schedule. But yeah, you go in and you change. Uh, you take a shower. You have something to eat, and you uh, tee it up and go right back at it. So I, <laughs> I don't think anybody uh, would not go back in if you played. Certainly going to take a shower, have something to eat, and get ready for game two. Yeah, and it was imperative that uh, I mean everybody's economical maybe with their rest because we're talking about the importance of you know having the support for Manoa and how this is such a big start and hey you're playing two games the day before is that going to stress the bullpen is that too much load on the players uh, but I think you know uh, with sports science and uh, a pretty uh, pretty even uh, workload for everyone yesterday I think they will have survived it. Uh, Buck, this is a lot of fun. Uh, catching up with you this morning. Uh, we're always looking forward to your calls, and hopefully we can get, uh, do this again sometime down the road. It should be a, an interesting night in Detroit, and I'm sure everybody will be watching. I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to the next time. That's Buck Martinez, uh, Sportsnet analyst, former MLB manager, and catcher in our Insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. He's the best. What a night tonight, folks. 6.30 start, though. Don't forget it. Get in there early. Ratings are going to be off the charts. It's a big one. Big one it's for a us today. One. I remember early on when we were doing, like, uh, the rankings of... Big games. Big games in Toronto sports, the area, our market, I suppose. We're talking about World Cup games, and, of course, those did well. We talked about Manoa on the mound against Seattle. Of course, that would have done well. Mm-hmm. Leafs playoff games, of course. But they're even more local than, I mean, they get a lot of coverage uh, countrywide, clearly. Uh, but that's not even as local as, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, this one, in terms of the summer months, this has got to be the one, right? 
I do like how Buck had a little bit of a different perspective, though. He's like, this happens all the time. It's not a big deal. Like, it's just. But it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, but it, Buck has played and Buck has managed and Buck is a very level-headed guy. And I think also he's not like but, us. But, like, but, what, but what Buck feels and what Buck felt and what Alec Manoa feels is not the same as the fans because the fans are concerned. They don't know what's been happening behind the scenes. Yes, they don't know what Alec Manoa found. They don't know how Alec Manoa is feeling. Manoa knows how he's feeling. Mm-hmm. The teammates know generally how he's feeling or have at least some idea. Uh, so for that reason, there is a lot of intrigue, right? But it might not feel as big to the people that are actually involved. As and that's Buck lays what out. you want. Yes. You don't want this to feel like the biggest game of the Blue Jays season for those players that are putting the jersey on. We can feel that way because we like to hype things up. We want to talk about it. The fans certainly will feel this way. I thought about driving to Detroit to watch it. <laughs> there, there you go. Like I that's, mean, that's how exciting and pivotal this. With all pivotal. respect, all due respect to Chris Bass, I don't think you were driving to Chris Bass. I was in Detroit. It wasn't and happening, and I'm still not. But I definitely view this as that important. But you can't be thinking that way if you're George Springer or. Alec Manoa or Whit Merrifield, you've just got to think of this as another day, another day of business. And yeah, there's a little bit more anticipation about the guy that just had a little bit of a a tough stretch, but you can't play any differently than what you've been playing because if Alec Manoa senses in that clubhouse a sense of, oh, nervousness, a different vibe around the team, that might be what makes him tighten up a bit more. Like you just got to approach it like it's another day. It's one of those things where it's like, you never are at least I don't look at baseball like this like one step at a time Mm -hmm. one play at a time whether it's football or one shift at a time when it's hockey this is like actually one pitch at a time it really is it's like can you get through the first batter well can that snowball and affect the second and the third can you get out of the inning and that inning affects the second inning and so on and so forth it feels like that more so than any other real like that it never feels like that when you're when you're talking mm-hmm. and watching and consuming a baseball game but this feels like one step one pitch can definitely affect the other in a way that it wouldn't normally in like a first inning or against the middle of the order mm-hmm. in a game where the stakes are so low because they are low across 162 but this isn't a normal one of 162 I mean I feel like it's it comes down to mental fortitude like for Alec Manoa and it's been a big conversation point about was this between the ears or not? If he gets up, you know, behind the count early in the first pitcher and the first batter, you know, maybe gets on base, get some hard contact. Like you just need to be able to think just what you said. It's one pitch at a time. You don't, you don't lose your future career in one inning, but you can certainly start the trickle effect of the rest of this game, the rest of the season. So it's just like, it's, it feels like you can affect the season. Yeah. And, it, and, and, and Buck pushed back on that as well. Like if it goes well, if it goes poorly, rather, there's probably mm-hmm. still the next day. There's probably still Which tomorrow. Is a nice perspective. For Manoa, yeah. But I, I like, there's a reason why it's timed as is mm-hmm. the deadline is when it is. These are important sort of landmarks and benchmarks that need to be, you know, the information bouncing off those things in order to make decisions for this season. And the first inning is going to tell us a lot, and the start is going to tell us a lot. I should check myself, though. You might drive for a Chris Bassett start in Detroit to get behind the, to get behind the wheel. That's right. I can bring it up because you, you shared it on it social up. media, right? You can bring it up. Unprompted. Alice driving to work. New vehicle. Very exciting. I got a new whip yesterday, folks. I'm a grown-up woman now, okay? It's uh, my own vehicle. It's no more hand-me-downs. Living off the parents. This car that they wanted to dispose of that I stole from them. This is me going to a dealership by myself like mm-hmm. a grown woman and saying, I would like to get this car. And it took about two months 
and I have it, and it's sitting in the parking lot. I parked uh, right thinking, beside you, I'm Justin. I'm thinking about the photo. Was there a big bow on it? There was a big bow on it. It was, was so fun. Like, it was like, you know, I just like big girl moment for me. So I have anyway, my own Can car. you put the bow on your own purchase for yourself? Like, that's a present move, isn't it? Yeah, but they did it. They were excited oh, did for they? me. Yeah, like they're like, congrats! Wow. Like you have this is your first car. When I bought a car, they didn't put a big well, bow on it. They're like, they just clearly like, get it, get like it me off more. A lot, pal. They like me more, and I parked right beside you, so you can check it out when we get off the air in thirty I'm minutes. I'm going to. I was like, I don't want to get too close. I want to be able to open the door. Like I'm so nervous driving it. Like today was the first trip. I mm. drove it home from the dealer last night, and I've driven it now to work, and it has less than twenty kilometers on it. It's crazy. There's really? zero like. Uh, when I, there was, when I there got was, in my car, there was a couple hundred. Was, like, what happened here? Oh, no, no. There was only nine when I got it yesterday. Like, they just went for a quick wow. little whoop around, and that's it. It works. Oh, it's stunning. I'm so happy. What a nice feeling. I feel safe. I feel secure. It is a nice feeling. It's like, that it's a sexy car, That car you had car before, too. like, uh, it's maybe not the safest in the world. It was, everything was fine with the car. My parents are listening. Well, you didn't need a new car. It works fine. I'm just, advances in technology. Yeah. Like, cars are safer than they it's were. Big, how, old, how old is that car? 20 years? T- more. Okay. This one Not is to put you on blast. this one brand spanking new. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm very nervous about it. Like, don't park too close to me, Justin. You're gonna be like when we go golfing. You're gonna be like parked so far away. <laughs> like, there's no. I've already got like the mats no to make sure Aaron no dirt. Could no. hit a cart path and no, hit, no. A, hit a roof and land on your car. Like there's no chance. You're but there not gonna are be like few moments in your young adult life that you do something for like the first time. Get your first car like your first car you buy a house yeah right good luck in this environment in this city i get a dog like this big big first you're for me just, this year you're knocking them all off i'm here. becoming an adult this year my birthday's coming up and then not fully at the big number you're, that, a, you're asking me about expense expense is a big one too expensing nashville yeah like you know lots this of big big, big girl, girl activities this is great yeah i know thank you for yeah it was nice Be to drive in yourself, here this Ailish. morning and when we go golfing next week yeah, don't. I'll try not to slice one into the parking lot. I'll be very nervous. Don't worry, I got the protection plan. There you go. I was like, I just want to be as safe as possible. It's probably a money grab, but. Peace of mind. <laughs> it's peace of mind. Uh, anyway, we got a big, uh, big wrap up to our show. Ron Baker joins us after the break. Four-year starter with Fred Van Vliet in college at Wichita State. Uh, same recruiting class, played all four years together. They reached the Elite Eight. They made the Final Four. That's part one of the interview. Part two is he also has a unique relationship with Grady Dick, who grew up in Wichita. He used to train with Baker when he was a kid. Um, He mentioned him during his introductory presser with the Raptors as a major influence for him and also introduced him to Fred Van Vliet. So boom, boom, uh, double whammy there. And we'll chat about both of those storylines heading into the weekend. The Wake and Rake, we'll do a quick one to wrap up the show. So send those picks in at 590-590. All that's next on the Fan Morning Show. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's our final 20 minutes in the morning for the next two weeks, buddy. Yeah, we're looking at the calendar. Like the month of July is going to be, it's going to fly by. We're doing two weeks in the afternoon. We mm-hmm. will be back on the 24th. We're going to be at the Jays Care Golf event that day. So we Ooh. won't even be in this studio till the 25th. I hope we remember how to find this studio. Just a reminder. We're big TV folk next week. Woo! <laughs> Uh, our producer, Daniele Franceschi, will be on Monday with Jesse Rubinoff. And then Sam McKee and Brent Gunning, who are gallivanting in Alberta as we mm. speak, 
just golfing in like events, just doing golf guy things. Uh, they'll be on in the mornings for a couple weeks as well. So uh, don't forget about a us. Four folks. pack. Don't forget about us. Find us in the evenings. Yeah, find us in the evening. Fan drive time. We'll miss you on the text line, but you can also text us in at 5 p.m. too. Yeah, you can you can text in the afternoon just as effectively as you can text uh, in the morning. Uh, let's bring in our next guest here, Ron Baker, former NBA guard, NCAA All-American for Wichita, Wichita State, uh, played four years with Fred Van Vliet and knows Grady Dick pretty well. So excited to talk to you, Ron. Uh, what's going on this morning? Not a lot, guys. Uh <laughs> I was hoping this call was going to be 8.30 Central Time. I forget Toronto is uh, on the Eastern Time Zone. That's a tough reminder. We appreciate the grind. You guys got me good with that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, We're like, oh, he should should just answer. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, being in New York a few years, I'm used to that Eastern Time Zone. It's It's not too bad. Uh, yeah, um, my co-host, uh, Ailish, uh, who was in Nashville, uh, was it last week or two weeks ago? Last anyway, week, we yeah. were trying to get her on, and, uh, you know, there's a, they made obviously me call one in hour the there. They o'clock hour. And, of course, she was doing some, you know, <laughs> there was some nightlife in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a struggle as well, that one-hour time difference will get you. So you played four seasons, I think, in that time zone at Wichita State with Fred. Uh, if you had told mm-hmm. college Fred Van Vliet that one day he'd secure $130 million over three years for an NBA team. Uh, what would he have said to you? He said he would probably say about time. Mm. <laughs> he, uh, he did not lack confidence in, in college. So people ask me that question quite frequently, living here in Wichita now. And my answer to them is, yeah, I'm surprised, mm. but at the same time, I'm not. So that bet on yourself His, mentality. Uh, demeanor. Oh man, his demeanor was, it was contagious and you knew, you knew good and well, no matter what that kid was going to do post his collegiate career, he was going to be successful. So happy for him, but also not, not surprised a bit. Where does all that come from? Of course, the bet on yourself mentality uh, is not just a mentality. It's like a catchphrase and it's something that he's kind of uh, attached his brand to. Uh, but as you mentioned, he had it then too. He had that confidence then too. Where do you think he derived that confidence from? Being around him for four years, he always talked about his his upbringing, uh, losing his dad at a very young age, and then having a stepdad that was uh, really good in the household, always pushing him and his older brother to be successful, be on time, uh, be respectful to his family. And another thing is being in Rockford, just kind of that underdog city in the burbs of Chicago. Uh, If you look at his high school career, they were a team that no one really was concerned about uh, in the high school playoffs. And being really underdog mentality, I think Fred was one of the tallest players on his team. They were not not a very, very thought-off off team so just kind of always had that underdog mentality and pit bull mentality if you will winning is also part of his brand and of course he did that with the toronto raptors in 2019 helping uh bring this city a title it's something that you know it uh, obviously uh, new for this city which has been struggling in the in the realm of titles uh for quite some time before the raptors won in 2019 but a lot of people may be skeptical if the raptors could ever build a, a team like that given that it's tough to attract talent uh but building around a guy like fred uh they were successful in doing that and it's helped to set the table for him 
uh, becoming the NBA all-star that he has been and a guy who can go out there in free agency and make the money that he did. But I do wonder, because winning seems to be very, very important to him, paramount even, that it might be difficult in Houston. Is he going to be all right with, you know, shepherding young guys along as opposed to, you know, trying to win championships like he was trying to do in Toronto? I think there's going to have to be some patience there. I think prior to the signing of him and Dylan Brooks, they were one of the youngest franchises as far as their roster currently. There's going to be some patience uh, along the way. The cool thing about him is he's, he's obviously very grateful for the contract he signs, but he's, he's putting in work right now and he is a winner. He is not, he's not the guy like, there's a lot of them out there in the NBA that I think their priorities are, have shifted to off the court, uh, whether it's endorsements and being in the limelight and to maybe care less about winning games on the NBA court because they're super talented and get a lot of <clears throat> followers on Instagram and Twitter. But Fred's a guy that's the least least athletic guy, and he, he wants to win, man. He's He could care less about the brand and the things off the court. He wants to win and that that's contagious. And those young guys need to see that. And that franchise is going to really be appreciative of that. Was Fred like that in college or did he have an opportunity, you know, maybe let loose a little bit, any fun stories you can tell us that are radio appropriate or was he super ultra serious? Like my co-host Justin is no fun. (laughs) No fun. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) He was a great, great off the, off the court teammate. Uh, Very, just a man before his time, it always felt like. Uh, being 1920, we had teammates that would do goofy things off the court, and <laughs> you just always had that demeanor like, what are you thinking? Come on, man. What? Why would you do that? And the best story I think I have is we would always play pickup in the off seasons in the summer, and our teammates would never let us be on the same team, so we'd always be the captains. Uh, and we'd pick teams. And I recall a, a scenario where my team won three or four games in a row. And two guys or three guys on my team, we had night class at 7 p.m. So we won that fourth game, didn't say a word, and just walked out of the gym. And as I was walking to class, I got a I got a text from him. He goes, where the hell are you at? I go, I had night class. And he's like, man, you skipped that night class before. <laughs> I wanted to beat your ass. <laughs> I said, well, I got you today, brother. I'll see you tomorrow. Hey, how was your grade? So that, that, good that, GPA? Uh, that was all, that. Oh, it was, it was good. Yeah. I had, I had my three Oh, and, oh yeah. Uh, okay. No that. problem. That's, that's, uh, that's the type of Fred that, uh, we, we all grew up around in college and never liked losing and he didn't like the taste of it. So I could, I could say part of that is, the reason we were so successful in our four years. Well, it sounds like he always had that mentality, that leadership quality that we saw here when he was a Toronto Raptor, but where did his game improve the most? Obviously from college kid, four years at Wichita State with him, you guys made it to the lead eight, you made it to the final four, but in steps that he's taken as a basketball player, where did you see that most? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest growth I've seen watching his career is maybe his second or third year in Toronto. Uh, People that know basketball understand that in college there's way less spacing. And the reason for that is, you know, people just can't shoot as well. 
And when you get to the NBA, the three-point line's obviously a lot farther away from the basket, and guys are shooting it better, so it creates a lot more space for point guards to make plays one-on-one and also make decisions uh, in in moments when they're in the lane. And uh, I, that's where I noticed the most improvement for him and our rookie year, he was, we'd always text here and there and he's like, man, there's so much space out here. And like, yeah, it's way different than, than college. It's almost easier. And his game just improved a ton in those first two years. And then I think Phil Handy was his guy at Toronto. And we've all seen the, the players that he's developed in the league thus far in his career. So I would, that would be my answer to that question. Uh, we are chatting with Ron Baker, former NBA guard and a teammate of Fred Van Vliet's at Wichita State. Uh, you were you came on our radar a little bit uh, here this week when Grady Dick uh, shouted you out in his introductory press conference. Uh, you know him quite well. Give us the backstory there. And what are the Toronto Raptors getting in the, uh, I want to call him a goofy sharpshooter because that's what it seems like he is. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Grady's a pretty pretty good kid, but he's got some goofiness to him. Uh, he'll have a he'll have a fun, interesting rookie season in the locker room, to say the least. Uh, but it's a man, it's a small world. My 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 pops and his dad played college baseball together here in Kansas at a Division two school by the name of Fort Hayes State. Uh, so the relationship goes back to them in college, and then Grady's high school, Sunrise Christian Academy. Uh, I'm really good friends with his his high school coach, Luke Barnwell through a friend of a friend, if you will. And in the off seasons in college, you you have a two to three week window after finals. And then after summer into August where it's a dead period and you need to find places to work out. So I'd go to Sunrise Christian and work out with Luke Barnwell and Buddy Heald, believe it or not. Mm. And built that relationship. And then during the off seasons, uh, in New York, I'd come back to Wichita and spend my summer here at Sunrise and worked out with Grady quite frequently. And pretty pretty similar stories, me and him, uh, other than he was, I don't know, the Naismith Player of the Year at <laughs> 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 a high school. Uh, but the relationship is just a small world connection with him and my dad and uh, Sunrise Christian Academy. I can't speak highly enough, but that's the the connection and the backstory, if you will. What'd you make of his red carpet fit? Man. Wow. I thought it was a Christmas ornament at first. <laughs> <laughs> Looked pretty bold. I bet it I was, makes I was sense. Curi- yeah, man. I was, I was curious where, where that came from. Some of those guys, man, they're real creative. I, I'm more of the, you know, the just black suit and maybe Classy. throw a yellow tie in there with the, with the alumni, but not, yeah. Good for them. I mean, we're we're in a different era now where we got to get the get the clicks right. It yeah. cer- they certainly worked. Like the fans love them already. I think that's important as a young guy. <laughs> like we have Scotty Barnes, who's also super young, and also you know I guess it's Gen Z coming up, right? I think every time we see the draft mm-hmm. moving forward, we're going to see more personality. And we know we cover hockey, and we just beg for the guys to have an ounce of personality. So yeah, yeah we're like we're very excited for him because it seems like it's like a rule if you enter the city of Toronto as an athlete that you have to be devoid of personality. Like it just seems like it might suck 
The city might suck it out of you. The media might suck it out of you. I'm not really sure what it is. Uh, but he might get a little reminder at some point uh, about being an athlete in Toronto. But for now, it's just like this innocence, right? Like we're seeing and laughing at these TikToks. We're seeing uh, all this immense personality, big smile on his face, so happy to be around. And not that everyone gets beaten down by this market, but it just seems like it is very, very refreshing right. because not every athlete is like Grady Dick. Uh, we kind of know what what to expect from him. Good shooter, uh, very, very athletic uh, guy, clearly. Uh, what 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 do we need to see more of, though? What does he have to do to improve his game to yeah. be an NBA or to be a guy who's going to make an impact for the Toronto Raptors? What does he have to add to his game in order to be uh, a guy who's going to be an impact player at the next level? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, obviously, size and his athletic ability is perfect, in my opinion, for the NBA, and he's most likely going to be off the ball majority of the time. Uh, that being said, at some point in his career, if he's going to want to take that next leap, he's going to have to be a better playmaker. Uh, even watching him here at Kansas, they had two two guards that handled the ball most of the time, but there were times when Grady needed to step up and make some plays, and uh, his passing capability probably needs to improve. Uh, there's going to there's going to be situations in Toronto where they're going to teams are going to force him. To, off the three-point line, and he's going to have to make decisions dribbling towards the basket. I think that's one of the biggest things. And then the NBA is different, man. Defense is defense is really one of the the things that I truly believe wins championships at all levels. Uh, obviously, the NBA it, it seems like they never play defense, but that's just because the offense is that damn good. Uh, but Grady's going to have to improve in that in that side of the ball as well. Well, he makes his Raptors debut at Summer League tonight. We'll be looking forward to seeing him grow as a Toronto Raptor. And we also appreciate your early wake-up to get on the line with us. It was great to get the insight of Fred Van Vliet and the newest Toronto Raptor and Grady Dick. So thanks for coming on. Hopefully we chat with you later in the season. Yeah, look forward to it, guys. I appreciate the time and hope your summer continues to go well. Yeah, you as well. Appreciate it so much. That's Ron Baker, former NBA guard and NCAA All-American at Wichita State with Fred Van Vliet and now a friend and, uh, you know, companion and helpful trainer at times to Grady Dick. Maybe. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, As we mentioned, undrafted along with Fred Van Vliet from that Wichita Mm -hmm. State team. But I was thinking, hey, maybe he showed up anyway. And I was going to say, is there a draft fit that maybe he did regret (laughs) despite saying, oh, yeah, I'm black suit guy? Uh, Couldn't find it, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, he's got ammunition for the rest of his life now. To make fun of, not that Grady Dick will care. I mean, I think he loves the attention, clearly. Uh, but when Ron Baker needs something to say when uh, they're going through a little pickup game or something <laughs> in Kansas, I'm sure he can bring out uh, that ornament <laughs> joke love that. at any time in order to get in the head of the young guy. Okay, um, we got five minutes left on this Friday morning, so let's do a wake and rake and uh, a little farewell for the next two weeks on the morning. Wake up. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. (laughs) You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. Okay, it's uh, all eyes on Alec Manoa tonight. 6.30 p.m. first pitch on Sportsnet. Sportsnet Now, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. And anywhere you want to consume tonight's massive, massive start, you can find it. So I am going Toronto Blue Jays on the money line. I think they're going to keep rolling against the Detroit Tigers. I think this team put themselves in a great position to capitalize on 
a game with a lot of energy. We'll put it that way. Okay. Okay. okay, so Jay's money line is where I'm going. Uh, your positivity strewn throughout the show. Mm-hmm. The tarot cards believe in Alec mm-hmm. Manoa in his future and his grandchildren, like very, very in-depth of where, where he's going with his life. But it starts tonight, of course, and it starts at Comerica against the Detroit Tigers. I, however, though, think it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. No, I don't. It's no, not nothing's be per- perfect. It's not going to be a perfect start for Alec Manoa. There are going to be some runs scored, I think, from the Detroit Tigers. But more importantly, there are going to be some runs scored by the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm taking the over nine, minus 120. Blue Jays and Tigers. Again, I think it's too much to ask for Manoa to be perfect. He wasn't even perfect at double A. But again, this is a light-hitting Detroit team. So hopefully he can keep it manageable while the Blue Jays do their part offensively, knowing that they need some run support for the Big Puma. I do think between the two teams... Nine runs could be scored. I, I will put it I, that I like way. That. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so over nine and Blue Jays money line. Now let's put together our anchor. We've got Dave and Barry saying my doubleheader Jays money line hit yesterday. Yep. Love that. Today I'm staying positive on the big Puma. Jays first five innings on the run line. Woo. Uh, Brandon from Whippy. Rangers minus one and a half against the Nationals. The Rangers let me down they yesterday. They let us down. Let everyone down yesterday. Uh, couldn't get any runs uh, or some outs against the uh, Red Sox with their bullpen, unfortunately. But against the Nationals, that's probably a good choice. Okay. We have Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, uh, this is Corey from Port Hope. Sorry. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks uh, on the run line versus Pittsburgh. Arizona has Zach Gallon on the mound, and he has been great this year. And they got shut out last night, so I expect the bats to come out. So I think we have to skip the Jays' first five, as we've already chosen them mm-hmm. to win the game in our wake and rake. That leaves the Rangers or the Diamondbacks. There is one late submission here from Chris and Mississauga, though, who likes the Braves' money line against Tampa, I guess, which would help out the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm. That is a big, big series going into the all-star break with the Braves and the Rays. It'll be Charlie Morton and Tyler Glasnow. So that's another one to chew on there. Okay. Got any leans? Um, I kind of want to fade the Rays because that helps us. I kind of want to... Should we fill the cup? Should we overflow the cup with positivity? Or should we be a little bit more reasonable? Let's... No, I just... This Friday. Okay, it's a positive Friday? Let's kill it. Let's do it. Uh, Braves money line against Tampa. Let's parlay that one up. Plus 568. I like it a lot. So that's over in the Jays game. Jays on the money line and Braves to beat the Rays. Plus 568. That's your wake and rake this morning. Bianca is crushing it in her match right now um, on... uh, At Wimbledon? Yeah, but... Okay, she no, it's good now. Uh, she won the first set six two, and now it's uh, a one one in the second. But that's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. She's doing well. Victor Wembanyama makes his debut tonight at at NBA Summer League. I found some props. Over twenty points mm-hmm. is plus one twenty two. Over twenty five points is plus one fifty eight. But if you want to get big and bold, thirty plus points. Plus 960, just five bucks. That's we, your just five bucks. We might have to check in with Danielle. I don't know how common like 30 point outbursts are. This in summer guy league. I don't is know. Like I don't know how they. The most highly touted. I know, but does he, does he play like a lot? Do you just play like 12 to 15 minutes? That would I be... think something crazy could happen tonight. So okay. it's five bucks on plus 960. Right. Wemby needs a positive storyline. And should mention Randy Rosarena, second longest odds to win the home run derby. John Morosi likes him to win the home run derby plus a thousand for Randy Rosarena to win the Home Run Derby next week. I don't know if it's going to change. We'll talk about it next week in the afternoon. Uh, But that's an interesting one for me as well. Okay, that's nice. Uh, I I always listen to what John Morosi has to say, so that's a good one. Uh, We're both doing pretty well in our standings for the John Deere. Um, I think we 
both have people in the top three at least. Tied for three, third. Yeah, we got some guys hanging around. Long tournament, though. We're only through 18, but hopefully we have an interesting Sunday because the John Deere is not the most electrifying tournament on the PGA Tour season. <laughs> it's fun. But if, if we have two guys playing at the end, uh, it'll be good for Monday's show. Okay, and Monday's show will be 5 to 7 p.m. for Justin and I next week on Fan Drive Time. You can watch that on your television. You can listen to it on your radio. Daniele, producer Daniele, We'll be on the Dan Morning Show on Monday morning with Jesse Rubinoff. And the following two weeks will be hosted by Sam McKee and Brand Gunning. And we will be back the following, following Monday, live from the Jays Care Golf Tournament. We're looking forward to being back on your morning routines. But in the meantime, catch us on your afternoon routines. And on the podcast feed for Fan Drive Time. We love you and we will chat with you in the afternoon next Monday.